My brothers and sisters, a long gospel cries out for a short homily. Sorry you're stuck with me this weekend. This is uh, my first weekend back after taking a little bit of time for prayer and retreat and a little bit of spring training baseball also, which is just as much a way to encounter God. But I'm very grateful to be able to be back here to celebrate Mass with you. Mass, uh, you may know, maybe not, maybe this is just Jeopardy trivia for you, but Mass comes from our, our, uh, our Latin way back in our history, the word Mass, what we celebrate today. Most of the Catholic prayers that you have were very creatively named after the first word of the prayer. Ave Maria, Hail Mary, Pater Noster, Our Father, Credo, that's the Latin first person singular for I believe, sounds a lot like creed, right? Well, in the Mass, we don't name our prayer that we celebrate here today after the first word, we name it after the last word. At the very end of the Mass, this that I'm excited to be able to be back here with you to celebrate today, the priest would say his blessing in the old Mass, and then he would commission the people. He would say, Ite misa est, misa, meaning it is sent. He would say, go forth, it is sent. You've come here, you've prayed, you've heard the word of God, received him in sacrament, offered the sacrifice. Now go out. Now you have a duty. Ite misa est, it is sent. Like I said, maybe that's just Jeopardy trivia for you. But one way or another, it's good that we're here to celebrate it. Now I acknowledge the length of this gospel passage a moment ago. I want to tell you what I'm going to do before I do it. This is like a magic trick, except it's not going to be nearly as astounding. I'm going to first make sure we get all the key and important details of this gospel. Give it a quick summary. And then I'm going to give you the key to understanding, unlocking what's hidden beneath the words. Then I'm going to sit down, okay? First, I'm going to pick up the piece of paper that my very long sleeve caught. Good, now we can begin. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. This is a unique miracle in the midst of all the miracles Jesus does because normally, in many of the other gospel stories, it's the poor man, the blind man, the leprous man who reaches out to Jesus. In this story, it's Jesus and his disciples who reach out to the blind man. They see him, and they acknowledge him. And his disciples ask an important question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Acknowledging an early pre-Christian understanding of any sort of unfortunate circumstance in a person's life as well-deserved as a consequence of sin. Now, we may 
hear this question and balk at it a little bit and say, how unenlightened. But if we do that, we do it only in our pride because there is underlying maybe a misunderstanding of a physiological impairment. There is a spiritual connection between sin and blindness. The disciples' intuition is correct. But Jesus answers them, no, neither he nor his parents sinned. This man's sin is not given, or this man's blindness is not given to him as a consequence of sin. It's given to him for a divine purpose. It's so that the works of God might be made visible through him. This is a, a sort of juxtaposition of blind that are unseen and visibility. Things that are seen are made to be seen. Then Jesus, after giving them a brief homily, approaches the blind man, spits on the ground, and makes clay with his fingers and then rubs it on the man's eyes. This was not a pleasant image even before COVID, but this is the means by which Jesus decides this man is going to be cured. Sometimes he just speaks. Sometimes someone reaches out and touches him. This time, Jesus spits and makes dirt and rubs it on the man's face. And then he says to him, interesting, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and, oh, wonder of wonders, came back able to see. Rightly, everyone is astounded at this. And so multiple times, multiple people ask him, how was this possible? And so he reiterates for them the story. The man named Jesus put clay on my eyes. Maybe, again, not a pleasant image. And then I washed, and now I can see. One of the things that I like to bring out in this story, and that I hope you heard as we were reading it, is the man's sass, his understanding, and his sort of going back and forth with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are not happy with this miracle. And this bewilders the blind man because he was blind. And now he can see and he understands that's the main thing going on in this story. But for some reason, it's as if the Pharisees can't get it through their heads. They see this blind man who now can see, and their first reaction is, oh, well, now it's proven. Now we know for sure. This Jesus isn't from God because he cured on the Sabbath. Finally, evidence, a sign. We know where he's from now. And then he says to them, this, this one man once born blind, he says, look, if he's a sinner, I do not know. Don't tell me he's a sinner. I'm not interested in that. Let me tell you the one thing I do know in case you missed it. I was once blind and now I can see. Did, did you... 
I used to sit over there. I asked you for money. You didn't give me any. Do you remember? Something amazing happened. And then they rebuke him. Oh, you just keep on pumping up this Jesus who cured on a Sabbath. You're that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses, a noble lineage. And he, they, they continue, we know that God spoke to Moses. It's written down. We've been told. We believe. But we do not know where this man is from. Oh. And he says, no, yes, exactly. That's what's so amazing, that you don't know where he's from. But he opened my eyes. It's unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. And then they accused him of sin, and they threw him out of the synagogue. Get out of here. Unwelcome, you seeing man. What are we to make of this story? Because... Like the disciples, we ought to have some sort of spiritual intuition that there's something deeper going on. And there is. Allow me to give you the key to this story. It goes back to Genesis. You may remember Genesis is the first book of the Bible, it is the beginning, it is the account of creation. God created every single thing, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And then on day six, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. It says in chapter two, in the days that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, no herb of the field had yet sprung up, no green things at all. It says, there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This was the creation of man that we heard earlier was on the sixth day. Do you remember what happened on the seventh day? You went through it like in a vacation Bible school class or a Sunday school class when you were a little kid. You learned all the different things. God made the giraffes on this day. And this day made all of the spearmen. Um, but then on day seven, it says, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work and he rested on the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all his work on which he had done in creation. This is important because God created everything, yeah? yeah? And then he finished his work. And the Jews commemorated this event by the Sabbath. That was, you'll remember, the very reason the Pharisees were so mad at Jesus in this gospel story. He did... This miracle, <laughs> this gross rendition of a miracle on the Sabbath. Again, other times he heals on the Sabbath, sometimes by a glance. Sometimes when someone reaches out to touch him. He is God, Jesus, right? So if he wanted to 
He could just will it. He could just say, mm, I want you to see. And then the person would see. It'd be amazing. But for some reason, this time, he spits. And then he picks up the spit in his hand, mingled with the dirt. And he takes the clay and he smears it on the man's eyes. Have you seen the connection here yet? Ooh, it's a good one. This is like the prestige. The, the story we heard today is the story of God who, after having created man on the sixth day, arrives at the seventh day. When in Genesis we heard the creation was over, the work was done. Ah, but after the Sabbath day in Genesis, something else happened. Do you remember the serpent came into the garden, he tempted, he deceived, and he took the creation God had made and he broke it, shattered it, chipped it, gave it a big old crack so that now it almost appeared useless. The relationship between God and man was severed and as consequence, the relationship of Man to his fellow man, the relationship of man to all of creation, even man within himself is broken. And that means there's still work to be done. So after the sixth day, on the seventh day, the God who took the moist earth, moist from the mist that had turned the dust into clay, the creator God who had taken that clay, formed it, and breathed life into it to make man, looked at his broken creation, and on the seventh day said, let's fix it. He made more clay. He took it and put it on the broken parts so that his creation could be remade reconstituted, recreated anew so that it wasn't only a physical impairment that was broken and then repaired, but something deeper. And do you know how we know this? Because who in the story is the only one who sees? It's the blind man. The Pharisees who profess to see can't see. They choose spiritual blindness. They refuse to acknowledge who Christ is, even though he displays it in miraculous signs. They close their eyes. They say, nope, not going to see it. Don't want to. Don't have to. Only the man who was born blind, whose physical eyes are opened, receives also the gift of a spiritual sight. An ability. And do you know how he does it? The last notch in the key that needs to turn. After the clay was rubbed on his eyes, he was sent to a pool called Siloam, which means scent. Do you know what else means scent? Ite misa 
est, our mass. We are the sent people, the ones known in history and in the world as ones who are sent out. And our pool here in this church offers that same reconstitution, recreation that allowed the blind man to see with new eyes. See, acknowledge what he did after witnessing to Christ in front of the Pharisees. Christ approaches him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And in a way that no other person in all of the Gospels responds, he responds with true humility and says, who is he that I may believe in him? And when Jesus reveals, I am, this man, once blind, now recreated, bows down and worships him. He doesn't just say, you are the chosen one of God. He doesn't just say, I believe you can do the work. Go for it. He falls to his knees in front of the Pharisees who immediately after question Jesus. And he worships this man in front of him who's given him not only physical sight, but who has recreated him as a part of the cosmos. Yeah! <laughs> Y'all, that's what gets you up out of bed when the time changes on a Sunday morning. This is the thing that makes the world go round. This is the thing that makes sense of your life. This is it. And it's what brings us back to this pool of Siloam, this place where we are sent. On this, our second Sunday of scrutinies, our fourth Sunday of Lent, however we mark the time by colors, by names, mark in your mind and remember that God has given you the gift to see you can receive it right here in this ambo, at this altar, from this pool. And like the man born blind who now can see, can see, we have the opportunity in this Mass to bow down and to worship our Creator who even on this Sabbath continues to make us new. Behold, he says in Revelation, I make all things new. It's a promise he keeps today. And that's what our gospel means. Amen.